Hello, and welcome to Plot Twist. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing Brazen and the Beast by Sarah McLean. This was published in 2019 and is second in the Bare Knuckle Bastard series. And I believe with this book, we will have reviewed all of Sarah McLean's romance novels. We Well, we definitely have read them. We, there are two that we did not review and put on as podcasts. But... Oh, right. The light, later Love by Numbers one, because eh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys, but we've read them all. We've read them all. And if you are interested in hearing what we think about the vast majority of them, check out our backlist. Because there are many. There are a lot on there. I think all, like, practically all of August 2019 was Sarah McLean. Well, because you're on vacation, so we pre-recorded everything. Yeah. All right. Anyway. So, the book jacket. The lady's plan. When Lady Henrietta Sedley declares her 29th year her own, she has plans to inherit her father's business, to make her own fortune, and to live her own life. But first, she intends to experience a taste of the pleasure she'll forego as a confirmed spinster. Everything is going perfectly until she discovers the most beautiful man she's ever seen tied up in her carriage and threatening to ruin the year of Hattie before it's even begun. The bastard's proposal. When he wakes up in a carriage at Hattie's feet, Whit, a king of Covent Garden known to all the world as Beast, can't help but wonder about the strange woman who frees him, especially when he discovers she's headed for a night of pleasure on his turf. He is more than happy to offer Hattie all she desires for a price. An unexpected passion. Soon, Hattie and Wit find themselves rivals in business and pleasure. She won't give up her plans, and he won't give up his power. And neither of them sees that if they're not careful, they'll have no choice but to give up everything, including their hearts. This is a bad jacket. Yeah, I mean, it's not. Yeah, it's pretty. Look, the first paragraph was not bad. The second know, paragraph, she, not too terrible. But in the, the first ending, paragraph, it, the ending's awful. But but first, she intends to experience a taste of the pleasure she'll forego as a confirmed spitzer. Wrong. This is a Lady Sherlock situation where Hattie is going out to ruin herself on purpose yeah, so she can blackmail her family into giving her what she wants. This is not like a, oh, I've decided I'm never getting married, so I'm just going to go have sex. Do you, look, I've talked about this in Physical Book Club. I don't think I talked about this in our review of Lady Sherlock, but I just don't understand these people who are like, I have to go out and actually get ruined. Like, just tell them that you went out and got ruined. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand, but anyway, whatever. And I mean, like, I'm sure the answer is there's a little bit of curiosity there too, but just put that in the text. Right. That's, that's what I'm saying. Put that in for me, which. So first of all, so that's inaccurate. Second of all, um, he also doesn't really offer her seduction for any price. He just wants to sleep with her. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, you're, you're. You're at the brothel, so I will take care of it for you. <laughs> That's pretty much it. And then the the whole last paragraph is wrong and spiritually yeah. wrong. And spiritually wrong, yes. I would actually say this is my second favorite Sarah McLean. I like this one a lot. My favorite first favorite is Nine Rules to Break One Romancing a Rake. It is mm-hmm. super close to my heart. And in both cases, you have a woman with a list mm-hmm. and a man who 
she thinks has an ulterior motive who just actually wants to have sex. Like that's the whole ulterior motive. (laughs) (laughs) So there's, there is a consistency different. There's a lot of other differences. Clearly the main hero in nine rules to break is a Duke or an Earl. Mark, whatever. Or maybe an Earl. Yeah. It was one of those. And And here, you know, Beast is a hero of the lower classes, but still, like, there's still a list and a dude who can help her fulfill it. That's right. Uh, So, random number, what was your summary of this book, Meg? Please let it be better than the one we just read. Well, you'll have have to tell me if you think it is or not. So, the random number, this uh, episode was 17. So, here's my 17-word summary. Hattie knows what she wants, and she's determined to get it, but can she figure out how? That is better. (laughs) Thank you, Lane. (laughs) And mine is, to win her business and her independence, Hattie must get in bed with Beast, literally and figuratively. Oh, girl. Did you you just use the word figuratively? (laughs) I did. I didn't know that word existed anymore. (laughs) But literally, they fuck. And figuratively, she has to tie their businesses together. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. This is true. (laughs) All right, so um, there are so many tropes here. A lot, a lot of tropes here. This is the Insta Lust. So she sees him bound and gagged in her carriage, and he thinks she's his abductor, and they're both like, let's do it. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically, he, he wakes up, like, trust. He's got, like, a head injury and looks at her, and is just like, my angel. <laughs> How can I seduce her from my position lying prone on the on the bottom of this carriage? <laughs> and then she, in spite of his head injury, pushes her out of the, him out of the moving carriage. It's so much fun. The beginning of this book is really fun. It's a really good start. So I mean, actually, we we just recently talked about this in in Thief of Shadows as well. The the beginning of this book uh, is really good. They're actually both very similar. Come to think of it, they both have these injured men in carriages but it's it's just action from the start yes. and actually i think one of the uh, ha, uh, what's hattie i was gonna say henrietta and then i got confused ha, her best friend plays prominently in the opening and then throughout the rest of the book and she's a really fun character yes her best friend is really fun i i agree i like her a lot and she so the two girls are figuring out how to get themselves out of this situation because Hattie's got an appointment at a brothel. She needs to be keeping. She's not going to miss it. And so, hence, abducting him and then shoving him out of a moving carriage. Yeah. Um, she is strong, independent, wants the family business, like, and is overlooked because she, she has a wastrel brother, but she's the one who should be in charge. Yes. She's also a full-figured heroine. So this is, this is a trope because... We're, we're calling it a trope because it happens so often. Yes, but I got the impression a lot of times when full figured is used as a euphemism, what they mean is like a 50s pinup. Yeah. Like someone who's just not the life popular frame of the Regency. I got the impression here that Hattie, like full figured was not being used as a euphemism for Kirby, that she's just actually a bigger girl. Right. Which, like, props to Sarah McLean for not being like, my body's so unfashionable, when really you mean she's, like, a 40, 24, 40. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. Let's see. So, yeah, we've got the full figure heroine. We have criminal royalty. So in the sense, it's better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. Right. And this ties back to the first one. We said we were grateful for an opportunity to read about bad boys who weren't into gambling. Yeah. And that still holds true in this one. Yes, we've got the near-death experience. This seems to be a, a, a trope, especially particular to the bare-knuckle bastards. I mean, we've only had two so far in the series, but... But realistically, they both have it in the book, and then they both had it as kids. So it's happened so many times in this small sample size. Yeah. So, you know, the experience, um, she has a shitty sibling who she must save. And he's got a shitty sibling that he feels like he's got to save, too. It's amazing. Um, In her case, the brother is less shitty to her than I feel like is usually acceptable in ways I don't understand. Like, usually when the brother's a garbage monster, because it's always the brother who's a garbage monster. Oh, always. And the sister who should have been in charge but isn't because she's a female has to save him. A lot of times the betrayal was really personal. Mm -hmm. And, like, I'm thinking particularly of Michael in the Scottish Francesca manipulation series. Uh, yeah. What's the name of that book? Scott under the covers. Thank you. Uh, and it's getting Scott in here, right? Yes. That was the first one. That's true. <laughs> like Michael has directly hurt his fiance and his sibling. Mm-hmm. The, like he tries to sell his sister basically to get rid of his gambling debts. In this case, well, Hattie's brother is a shitty garbage monster. He tries to cover up his mistakes in business by stealing from the criminal underworld and then gets in over his head and she has to save him. And as she saves him, he admits that she's more competent and capable and that the dad should give her the business. Mm-hmm. Like he's really good to her, even as he's bad at the business. Yeah, I mean, he is, but he's also not because if he could just have admitted it to start with, Oh, they'd all be in a better position, but that wasn't, like, he doesn't ask her to, like, sacrifice herself to clean up his mess. That's true. Like, it's not, like, there's no, he hurts the family overall by being garbage, but he doesn't directly hurt her. And when she offers to help him, he realizes, like, no, I need to take a stand in support of her. She should be in charge all the time. Yeah, well, his redemption, I guess we could say his redemption was better. I think what he did wasn't that bad to begin with comparatively. Yeah. Like he made bad yeah, choices, but he didn't, he didn't willingly use her as collateral. That's true. <laughs> Which is my new bar for garbage brothers. <laughs> I mean, this, this, that's like the low, that's the low mark for sure. Um, they, um, have a, a waltz and then they waltz out into the garden where they get up to stuff. Yeah, as one does. I mean, we've this is definitely a trope because at this point, you you cannot waltz out onto the balcony without getting up to shenanigans. Also, this is a new high for creative sex locations. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. We'll talk about that. She ties him to a mast. In the middle of an empty boat. <laughs> In the middle of an empty dock. <laughs> it was good (laughs) I don't know all right Uh, let's get into it Uh, I have been a little tough sometimes on Sarah McLean because I find her writing I I actually find the grammar in her books to be a little problematic 
Okay. Uh, I thought this book, and it makes sense. You get better the more you write, the more you practice your craft. I think this book is probably her best written of all of her books. Like, I thought that the writing was the best. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not bothered by her writing, so it's not something I noticed, but. Yeah. Um, so I thought this is especially well written for Sarah McLean, which is always thumbs up for me. He's also, like, a golden god. Yeah. Like, which, and Meg has bitched about the fact that, He's made his life boxing, and yet he's this untouched specimen of perfection. I don't care. I mean, I don't care, but I'm also like, it will. I just don't get it. But whatever, it's no big deal. He is the hottest person ever. Like, and she's so average. Yeah, she's, she's fine. fine. <laughs> no one would ever comment on her as like particularly beautiful. Yeah. But she is really self-confident. She's very self-confident. So this is, I think this is somewhere where Lane and I differed in our interpretation of the book. Mm -hmm. uh, so Hattie is extremely self-confident, in my opinion, except where it comes to her looks. So she does not think that she is beautiful. She thinks she's too fat and she thinks she's just plain, basically, right? Except for her eyes. Sure. <laughs> sure. We, we can throw in. That's, that is such a romance thing. where I like, know. That's why I'm so, it's like a trope in and of itself. My hair is my best feature. Everything except my hair or whatever. Anyway. I, I do not. So this doesn't fall into the you don't know you're beautiful trope for me. Which because in the you don't know you're beautiful. You think you're ugly but you're beautiful. Right. Mm -hmm. And it just means you don't have self-confidence. So in her case, she's like, look, I know that I'm not beautiful, but I know that I have value. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I really liked that. I thought that it was well done. I thought that she was a complex character and that she could be so self-confident about everything except for her looks. Mm -hmm. uh, on the other hand, I don't think Lane agrees with me in that characterization. I just I think for me I didn't feel like what she wasn't self-confident in was her look so much as her appeal to the opposite sex like to me it wasn't necessarily a focus on her attractiveness but on mm -hmm. her inability to attract a man okay and I think it was more tied up in the fact that her father had been able to attach a relatively large dowry to her and they're nouveau riche, so they don't have the respect of society. And then she is an outspoken, independent, self-confident woman, which she's been told her whole life turns men off. So I, th to me, her insecurity wasn't so much tied up in, like, there's no way this gorgeous golden boy could ever want to have sex with me because I'm unattractive, as no man's ever wanted me for me they've always wanted me for something else so of course he only is willing to have sex with me because there's something in it for him yeah that it wasn't necessarily looks based entirely sure like I think you're right she's aware of how she looks and she's not super caught up in it yeah but I think the motivation read is a little different for me yeah uh and to be fair to Hattie she doesn't believe that this man is attracted to her for herself and not for something that he can get out of it because he implies that there is something that he can get out of it. Yes. That so, is true. You know, she's not like misinterpreting him. She is interpreting correctly the words that come out of his mouth. So mm -hmm. 
Like I, I can't blame her for how she feels about that. You know, a hundred percent. Um, she's a great character though. I love Hattie. Hattie's a really fun character. Uh, she's authentic. Uh, I think her motivations are really interesting. I think the way she challenges Beast or Wit. I, I'm gonna. Oh, I don't like the name Wit. By the way. Okay, I don't care. She sounds good. <laughs> But whatever. Um, that was fine. Uh, I did like, so the conflict in this book is like feminism 101, basically. And it comes down to, I'm not going to talk about the actions that they take, which we can talk about later. But the, the basic conflict is he wants to protect Hattie. So he takes actions that maybe hurt her and hurt him, but because he wants to protect her. And mm-hmm. she's like, no, I don't need you to be, to protect me. I need you to treat me as an equal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I liked that that was the conflict for this book. So I, I liked that a lot. Yes. Um, there's a thread running through this book from a couple of different characters that I think we missed in tropes. And mm-hmm. it's the, your body will like, know you will sense if the person you love is in danger or dead. Oh, is this, a, it's, you're right. It's such a trope. I would know if this person were dead. I would know. <laughs> I would know if they were in trouble. I would know. And I say this so lovingly because, like, let's talk about He Shall Thunder in the Sky. And I mean, like, even books I love use this trope to death. Oh, yeah. It's like no one actually has to communicate danger or death because, like, you feel it in your soul. And you would know when you have a report of the death. You're like, no, it can't be true because I would know if you yep. were in danger. <laughs> yep. Oh, gosh. So Beast is a little bit overprotective. He's extremely overprotective. And for me, so I liked this book a lot. The thing that I didn't like about this book is how his overprotectiveness manifested itself. Okay. In the book. So, and again, I, I do recognize that if he did what I would like him to do in a, in an ideal world that we wouldn't have a conflict for the book uh but i really would have liked it if he had just not lied to her and talked to her and i'm also usually really bothered by the i will protect you without informing you but i think this was made a little bit more palatable for me because at least he was protecting her from a credible threat yeah like usually they're protecting them. The men who do these things are protecting the women from ruination or from losing their place in society. And in this case, Beast Brother has straight up threatened to kill her. Yeah. yeah. Which is like at least an actual thing to be scared of. Yeah. And I mean, yes, but I mean, for me, it's basically the the problem for me in this book is mm-hmm. that they spend they spend the whole book falling in love. Um, mm-hmm. she, he gets her to trust him. Um, you know, he's, he didn't mean to lie to her. So in fact, he's been meaning to help her this whole time. And yeah. then instead of telling her why he does it, he just completely betrays her. He does. And that bothered me. The, but the reason it bothered me was less his overproductive behavior. Cause like I said, whatever, his brother was going to kill her. Or this is a romance novel. I'll give it a pass. It's because it didn't make sense why dumping her and getting rid of her protected her. Mm-hmm. Like the brother wants to kill her because she matters to beast, whether or not beast is marrying her or dating her or whatever. She still matters to him. Mm-hmm. 
how was this even protecting her? Yeah. And that's I what bothered get, me. I get that you're supposed to think like that Beast is not being logical here and that yeah, he's but, acting logically, but that it doesn't that doesn't solve all my issues, you know? Yeah. Uh, which leads me to the the major issue I have, I think with a, actually with a lot of Sarah McLean books, is that especially for a writer who's explicitly feminist and has a lot of feminist themes in the books, the women end up doing so much emotional labor for the men. Yes, and you called this out big time in the first book in the series too. Yes, and uh, yeah, and the thing is, like, I started out, I really loved this book starting out and I it, I really liked it up until the whole betrayal happened because not not only was it a betrayal of her in the book but it was like a betrayal of the character development right that I can see so you know I read these books mostly for for the characters and how they interact and if you're gonna you're gonna do this in there you have to have a better reason than than what they had yeah Okay, so other than that betrayal of feminist themes, did anything about this book offend you? I mean, other than the fact that he made his living boxing and is the most handsome man in the world, whatever. I mean, I talked about this. (laughs) Don't care. Like, honestly, don't care. Like, you are 100% right. He should be gross looking. What do you want me to do about it? Yeah. I, I have a question. Is boxing sexy? Because, you know, okay. lot of historical romances, boxing and violence, uh, I would go so far as to say violence, is sexy. So, is it because it's masculine? I think it's more supposed to be a representation of, like, raw masculinity. Mm-hmm. Do I find boxing sexy? No. Do I find people being good at things sexy? Yes. And do I find the opportunities for her comfort? that a violent pastime provides sexy? Yes. <laughs> right. But so I don't know to answer your that... question. Like, no, if I read, like, the guy's a boxer, I'm not like, hell yeah. It's not like him being a baseball player. Right. But, there, like, there are books. In real life, I would not be into this. But think about Cotillion. Think about the end of Cotillion. Or oh, but Freddy... even think more modern. Like, the movie Creed did things to me. <laughs> and I cried through that whole movie. From beginning to end, from the second Rocky goes to Adrian's grave until (laughs) Michael B. Jordan's in round 15 in the ring, I'm, like, weeping hysterically, but, like, falling in love at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just saying it's it's context, right? Like, no, I don't get the general appeal of boxing as a concept, but in specific instances, yeah, I'm there. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. I don't know. I'm just... The more I thought about it, the more I was like, ooh, boxing is like a thing in these historical romances, like in Georgette Hare, in Loretta Chase. Have you seen Creed? No. Have you seen Creed? No, no, I haven't. Meg. <laughs> you know I don't watch, I read books. Like, I don't have time to watch movies. <laughs> Especially not movies about boxing. <laughs> okay, it's about so much more than boxing. <laughs> It's about love. It's about loss. It's about redemption. (laughs) It's about Michael B. Jordan's abs. It's about Meg Watch Creed. Okay, okay. All right. 
but it, but no um that other than the betrayal feminist themes no nothing offended <laughs> me about this book there was no rape there was no sexual coercion you know it was it was good well We'll talk about, you know what, we'll have to save this for a different book, but I do have questions about brothels in historical romances. Yeah, um, this is a, this is not a historically accurate brothel. No. <laughs> this is a brothel where only men are working. Yeah. Run yeah. by a master woman criminal who wants yeah. to service the women of the town. So like, not yeah, the time to exactly. talk about it. So we'll talk about it later. But there is there is a brothel in this book. A brothel does appear. Yeah, How we talked about that a lot in the first one. Yeah. Um, she goes to it to use the services of a prostitute, and then Beast shows up instead. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I do like how she was like, oh, so you're a prostitute. And he's like, actually, no, but I will but be I'm here. you. <laughs> Get it, girl. Um, uh, so how... Let's talk about sexiness. Yeah, so the, they're one of their first, after she kicks him out of the carriage, he shows up in the brothel. So, like, you'd assume this is a sexy book. How sexy is this? It's real sexy. This book is real sexy. It's also very creative. It's very creative. There's a uh, tavern sex scene that is extremely hot. Mm-hmm. You remember Caleb from Day of the Duchess? Remember mm-hmm. that American dude? Mm-hmm. He has a tavern now. Actually, it's the Duchess's tavern. If you, it's the same tavern. You remember <laughs> same tavern. Um, and. The bare knuckle bastards, I guess, hang out there a lot. They did appear in Day of the Duchess as well. If you remember, mm-hmm. much as I wish I could forget almost everything about that book, I do mm-hmm. remember that. Book. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this car- this uh, tavern that Caleb has, it's got a storeroom where they put stuff, like a storage room. <laughs> That's usually what a storage room is for. <laughs> yeah. And normally, I don't think about storage rooms as being sexy and yet this storage room is like really hot she basically goes on a rant and this is a trope in and of itself about how easy she is to resist mm-hmm. and so he prevents her from leaving by putting his she goes to reach for the door and he pushes her up against it and then tells her a bunch of very dirty things into her neck and, and then, it's meant to be a, like, just so you know how much I'm struggling here. But then he actually does cave. Uh-huh. And it is explicit. And then the Caleb knocks on the door and is like, dude, stop using my storeroom for that. People are about to come. And Hattie's like, oh, my God, he knows what we're doing. And Beast is like, yup. And they just keep going. They just keep going. They don't, yeah, they don't stop. Thank you, Sarah McLean. It's also great because... For all that she's a society lady, like, he meets her with her trying to ruin her reputation. Mm-hmm. So he knows she's not worried about it. Mm-hmm. So they don't give two shits about it. There's never mm-hmm. a conversation about what this will mean for her. It's great. Yeah. It's great. Uh, it's good. There, There is, I mean, I will say, for a book that starts with her explicitly saying, I want to be ruined, and Beast saying, then I will ruin you. It, it takes, takes a while. long time for this ruination to happen. But it's not for lack of crackling sexual encounters. Yeah. So, I, like... I think I was ruined early on by Lisa Kleypas' book, Suddenly You. Okay. Yeah, so Sarah Fielding... No, I'm sorry. 
incorrect person. But there's an author in this book who, on her 30th, the occasion of her 30th birthday, does this ring a bell for you? Decides to hire a male prostitute. Okay. And the madam to whom she goes, that would be Gemma. Remember Gemma? Yes, I do. So Gemma sends her a man who is not a prostitute, but who does take care of her on their first occasion. I was going to say, I, I, so they hook up right uh, in the brothel, but they don't have sex. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how like, okay, we have to stop now because your time's up. Uh-huh. And I don't understand how the encounter they had took that long. No, no. I was like, how much time are they supposed to have too? Also, is there a time limit on these things? Because that's kind of bullshit. I mean, I don't know. I've never been to a brothel. I don't know either, but I feel like you pay. Uh, uh, look, I don't know. But I feel like you pay, pay for the pay act. The service? Or like, or, is it like you're renting a hotel room and you pay for the time and whatever you get up to? That's what I'm saying. Is it time? Is, it, <laughs> oh my God. is this I'm like thinking? an hourly motel or like a masseuse? I'm the thinking of my service and time. I'm thinking of my my government contractor classes right now because there are all these different contracted ch- contracting hours. There's like time and services <laughs> versus <laughs> you know pay for the act. And I'm like, oh, I wonder, you have to look at the contract. So you have to go back to the language in the contract. <laughs> there was was requested. Contract, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I think there must have been some kind of contract because otherwise, it, this is Hattie. Because if he had said, oh, your time is up, and actually she had paid for a service, she would have, like, pointed that out. She's a businesswoman. But we don't know what deal, like, what she did. She, like, we don't know what this brothel is. It might be the kind of thing that women just call her, like, I'm coming tonight. But, and that double entendre. Was <laughs> um, no, how can you say that was? That was, like, the perfect double entendre. Anyway. Um, we don't know how brothels work, so we really can't criticize this. Is we, my don't we don't know. But I'm just saying, seems like a breach of contract. But don't know for sure. Yeah. Um. The their first sex scene was like really hot. Also, I like really liked Beast's studio apartment. Oh my god! Apparently, I'm like in it for real estate porn. Right? That's what I was thinking. Like as I get older, the more that being a real estate bride doesn't bother me. <laughs> and because like living in a major city, you're like, damn, you want to split rent? Great. If I started dating someone and they took me to that apartment, I'd be like, where do I sign? Right? His apartment was so nice. And it was it's like a so little, like, it wasn't like a big apartment. It was like a, like a studio, like a big studio. But it was uh, also like, talk about getting to us, Meg. It was filled with books. Exactly. I know. It was, I mean, look, Sarah McLean knows who she's writing for. And it is people who read books. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Yep. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. What can I say? The only thing with this sex scene, though, is that they had a big fight afterwards. I need to talk about this sex scene because there's a particular thing that happens that I don't feel like is super plot related, but it's the first time I've ever seen it happen. Okay, tell me. So they're having sex. She comes. He does not. Uh And it's not like he pulls out. Like, he straight up doesn't come. Uh-huh. And that's what pisses her off, and that's what they fight about. Uh-huh. What? 
Yeah, it's weird. It is weird. And I hate fights after sex. Yeah, no, I mean, I hate fights after sex, too. But honestly, I was less mad about it and more baffled. <laughs> it is. It was weird. Yeah. Because it, 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 it all goes back. Because they have the same fight over and over. And yes. that fight is about how he can resist her. But what was the point of him not just pulling? I don't get it. I don't either. I Look, Beast is not the most. That's probably my biggest issue with this book. He's not the most coherent of characters. Okay. I mean, you could argue that his logical fallacies are consistent. <laughs> That's true. He's protecting her from as much as he can. <laughs> and he doesn't actually think about the best way to do that. He just, like, acts on impulse. I think yeah. that's consistent characterization. <laughs> but so he, um, you know, I would be mad if that had been their last sex scene. But it, was, it wasn't. She still has to tie him to a bow. Yeah, she's like... Who who decides to meet on the boat? It's Hattie, right? She's like, meet me on this boat. She buys up all the dock hands and then tells him to come meet her on the boat to be like, I fucking won. Uh-huh. So they meet on the boat. And then she's like, now get naked. And I'm tying you to the mast. Nude. Yeah. It's she's like my queen. Hattie's amazing. And Beast does it, which. Okay. It was really good. It was really good. It was really good. Read this book if you've ever wanted boat sex. <laughs> and even if you haven't, you will want it after you finish this book. I mean, am I wrong? No, no, you're not. I'm just trying to, I think anyone who's ever been on a catamaran is like, no, I get it. Okay, because that must be the reason, because I was like, I don't know, boat sex, I don't know. I've only ever been on like little rowboats and stuff, so. Oh, you know, I'm thinking like catamaran in the Caribbean with a big net. Yeah, I see those a lot on The Bachelor. (laughs) This book was um was very hot. I loved Hattie. So this is one of those books, you know, for me, I'm like, oh, I like this book for this character. I like this book for this character. I like this book for Hattie. She's my favorite character in this book. Well, and like to a degree, the fact that Beast is sort of like a shallow piece of man candy, like. Good for Hattie. Yeah. No, I loved it. I love that He's Hattie... the beauty. She's the brains. Yes. Yes. Yeah. They're well matched. Yeah. It's it's like it's like Rupert and Daphne. Yes. It's great. It's just that Beast, because he's had to like live on his own his whole life, thinks he has some skills and brains. But and he actually now he's with Hattie. He doesn't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, exactly. Now he's got Hattie. He can just do. Follow her orders, and she'll be fine. And he'll, he'll be, be fine, really. Beauty. That's what it is. But, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, if you could rate, review, and subscribe, we would greatly appreciate it. Stay safe. <laughs>